Welcome back to Gabbing with Gib and Happy New Year to everyone listening. It's January 2nd, 2024, which means that for a lot of people, it's back to reality, time for resolutions and trying to be healthier and make better choices and yada, yada, yada. But instead of making resolutions, I tend to write down some intentions for the year that aren't as hard lined. So some of mine this year are to stretch more, generally eat healthier, say no to more things I don't actually want to go to or do, go to the movies more often, change up my workout routine a bit more, drink a little less, host friends in my apartment, which is something I rarely do, and be a little smarter with money. This month, I also want to do a big closet clean out and reorganize other parts of my apartment. And I also do make more specific goals for the year, like how I want to grow and monetize the show and my newsletter. If you're not subscribed, go do it. And how many books I want to read. Last year, I read 26 books, which was more than the previous years of 25. But I made the decision to lower my reading goal for the year. This year, I'm aiming for 20. Because not only do I think I'd surpass my actual limit, but I also spent the past week like trying to cram in a few extra books in order to meet my goal. Even going so far as to pick back up two books I'd only read half of in order to hit it in time, which just feels silly and like I was missing the point. So I'm lowering my goal slightly to prevent that same rush from happening at the end of this year and also to make room for a few longer books that I've been putting off reading because I know it'll take me more time to get through them, meaning it'll be harder to hit my goal. It's It was honestly fucked up the way that my mind worked around that reading goal. So I'm glad to lower it and to sort of make space for some of those uh, longer reads as well. But I posted about all the books that I read in 2023 on both my Instagram and in my newsletter. So go check that out for more on my thoughts on what I read this past year. Anyways, we're kicking off the year on Gabbing with Gabe with my first ever solo mailbag episode. Usually today would be an interview, but it's kind of hard to schedule those around the holidays. So today is a solo moment. And I asked people on social media to submit questions for this episode, and they could cover anything under the sun. So if you missed that memo, go follow me on Instagram so you can submit a question for the next one of these, because there will be another one. And before we get into the questions, I also wanted to note that I was on uh, Rachel Lindsay's podcast, Morally Corrupt, which is, which is part of the Ringer Reality. Uh, podcast feed and we did an hour and a half look back at all things bravo for 2023 which was really fun it hit the top 20 on the apple podcast chart so go check that out if you have not listened to that because it was super fun and i i cover a lot of my uh latest bravo opinions in that but obviously a lot of the questions here were also bravo related so you'll get a lot of that here as well there were also some other questions about other pop culture topics and some that were a little more personal but let's get to the bravo stuff first because i know that's what a lot of you are here for starting with a submission from friend of the Danny Pellegrino. Danny asked what Bravo show I would resurrect from the dead. And I thought about this one a lot. And I think I'm going to say NYC Prep, which is a one season wonder that aired a long to over a decade ago, must have been at this point. You know, I think it deserved more. You know, the idea of a reality TV version of Gossip Girl still sounds really appealing to me. I feel like maybe the the tough part of casting high school kids people under the age of 18 is that like they're so worried about their futures and like what colleges they're getting into and things like that and I feel like it's probably a it'd probably be like a casting hindrance to try to get people like that to sign up for a reality show knowing that it could backfire on them and hurt their chances of getting a job or getting into like a top college so that's kind of probably why we haven't seen someone else kind of retry that idea Um, because I think it's hard. I think with Laguna Beach way back in the day, they kind of hit the goldmine with that cast. And, you know, it was before the Instagram era and before, honestly, reality TV has become what it is. So I don't know. I don't know if it would be possible to resurrect a show like NYC Prep, but one can dream. The other contenders here were also Princesses of Long Island, which is a fabulous show. Also Gallery Girls. But I feel like Gallery Girls is actually like a little too close to the Roni reboot in terms of like, 
the ages of the women and the types of women that they might have on that show. But it did make me think that like the art world is kind of untapped when it comes to Roni in general, Bravo in general. And I feel like they should cast somebody from that world on the show. I mean, they do have to cast more people there. And I feel like the art world is kind of an area of culture and an area of New York that uh, is not represented on the show, but could be really interesting to see. Um, anyway, on to the next question. Max Vasquez asked if Ultimate Girls Trip Morocco will ever air. And my friend Bobby also asked about this, wondering what the future of Ultimate Girls Trip is with, he says, Thailand flopping and Morocco not airing. You know, a lot of people are writing off Morocco as not airing. And I had kind of written it off as something that we'll just never see. I just think it's probably, I mean, I just kind of figure it's too risky and tainted at this point. But, and not to be all like Dumois, but after I said that, that same thought on a podcast recently someone messaged me and said that they worked in ad sales and they're actually still selling against the show i don't really know exactly what that means but like it does mean that it's still being put out there it's still i think a possibility that we could see morocco which is unexpected i again i had written it off just like many people so i think it's kind of tbd on that but i would be interested to see like if they ended up cutting the whole brandy and caroline thing out or how they address it if it does air because you know that like all the press around it will just be about that incident like every interview they'll be asked about it i mean it's just it's inevitable that it will overshadow it so it's sort of like you don't want them to lean into something like like that if something really did go down but i don't know it's 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 a really tricky tricky situation that they found themselves in and i kind of am like why not just like move on and do another scene of roni legacy and put alex mccord on that so she can still be back on our tvs but i don't know i will say that you know going into roni legacy the, the season that's on right now like the worry that everyone had was that everything going on with ramona would overshadow the season and it really hasn't at all from my point of view like i mean it does help that she's been kind of like a non-factor on this season weirdly enough like compared to past seasons of Roni and and the other women, but the Ramona stuff really has not like to me tainted the experience of watching Roni Legacy. So I mean, obviously, yeah, it's like it sucks that like these two things happen back to back, and like both seasons have these like weird controversies around them. But I do think as a concept, Ultimate Girls Trip is still very valid and still very tenable. And you know, the the opportunities are endless in terms of like concepts around that. I mean, they could do. Beverly Hills Legacy. They could do Atlanta Legacy. They could do another Ex Wives Club. They can do One Season Wonders. They could just pull from the, obviously the current the current cast and do another like di- dynamic duo season. Like there are ways to still like deliver really quality seasons of Ultimate Girls Trip. I just think it's obviously in a really weird spot right now. And what I want them to do is I want them to do a season that's all women from non Housewives shows. So like so like Summer House, Vanderpump Rules, Southern Charm, Family Karma, Summer House, Martha's Vineyard. Again, the po- the possibilities are endless. I think that they'll get through this rough patch. I'm just really curious if that's true that like they're still selling ads against the Morocco season. Like so we there is a possibility we'll see it, I guess. Max Vasquez also asked if I think that Real Housewives of Potomac is sinking or steady this season and also if one or two of them should be demoted or fired next season i mean i think it's pretty clear that potomac is not having a good season um, i've seen some people say that they're enjoying this sort of second half of the season but for me it's still dragging and there's it's still like i still think this cast is broken right now you know in fact i personally think it's their worst season yet which which pains me to say it because like potomac had been my favorite franchise for like three to four seasons honestly like i love i mean i still love potomac but it's far away from its peak form like to me there are just simply too many blockages in this cast and 
they're all unwilling to really like move forward with one another. Karen's the only one trying to bring things together and it's obviously not really working. But, you know, as a regular person, I see why all these women would not want to move forward with one another. But ultimately, like they're on an ensemble cast together on a Real Housewives show. And part of the job of a reality star, especially of a Real Housewife, is to be open to filming with one another. And conflict resolution is one of the most like fundamental elements of being a successful and effective real housewife. So, you know, for a long time, I lauded Potomac for having four OGs on the show for so long. It's a housewives record and it's, and it's a deserved one as at that. I mean, Giselle, Karen, Ashley, and Robin have been on the show for eight seasons since the beginning. They're part of the show's DNA. But on the flip side of that, like being on a show for so long comes with this sort of like earned level of power. And whether that's actual power or like more like ill-advised or like delusional power kind of remains to be seen and maybe is up for interpretation but you know the thing about real housewives is like there has never been a single real housewife that is bigger than the show they're on none of the franchise needs a single person to be successful none of them you know i think the closest that we have to that is probably Teresa on jersey and and arguably nini's absence is why atlanta is in sort of like such a dire state right now but ultimately everyone could be replaced as they've shown, like they can do full reboots of a franchise. So when you essentially operate under this guise of like, it's me or her, that's a dangerous game to play as a real housewife. And multiple women on Potomac are sort of playing that game. And, you know, since they refuse to move forward and, and do more than like just coexist, it's evident that a cash shakeup is necessary here. And I don't know, I usually have an idea for what could work and you sort of help improve one of these casts. But in this case, I really don't know. I really don't. You either kind of have to keep Candace and Wendy or Giselle and Robin, I guess. But even if, like, they say, let Wendy and Robin go, that still leaves us with Giselle and Candace, who basically refuse to cooperate with one another. And then there's also Ashley, whose ex is literally suing Candace. And, you know, I wouldn't want to lose Candace's humor and star power and her willingness to stir the pot. But I also wouldn't want to lose Giselle for all of those same reasons. And to me, Giselle is more integral to the show's DNA. But I also think that Candace has been, like, on this steady upward trajectory as a housewife that's pretty hard to ignore. And, you know, maybe maybe just having them... Giselle and Candace could be a Teresa and Melissa situation like for this upcoming season of Jersey we're about to see where like they apparently coexist during filming but their conflict isn't the focus of the show anymore we really don't know how that's going to be but with Giselle and Candace I know they're both such big stars but it's so frustrating to watch them kind of be at this standstill and I think that it's having a huge impact on the show and like it's not just them obviously it's like you know Robin's involved in that with sort of Wendy and Candace and you know there's the Wendy NECA stuff and like it just all it just feels like broken and it feels like there's these impasses that like on other seasons of Housewives I just feel like people have gotten over things like this for some reason the Potomac women are, are unwilling to do so and it's just frustrating and it's I think it's torpedoing the show right now and I hope that they stop that and figure it out and whether that means replacing some of them or you know having <laughs> stern talks behind the scenes of like you either got to like fix this or you're getting the chop like I don't know I really don't but I, I really 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 hope they figure it out and not in a way that requires some huge shakeup. I would, I mean, I I think you do have to lose and you have to lose some of them, but I, again, I don't know what the answer is there. Sally Weeby asked, which housewife has the coolest fashion sense? Jenna Lyons excluded. You know, I'm not a fashion critic, but I do think that the common party line that Dorit and Marlo aren't actually fashionable because they just like wear a bunch of labels is honestly like lazy and inaccurate. Yes, they do dress in a flashy logo forward way, but they also do know how to put full creative looks together that I, I personally find to be like really impressive. It's not necessarily 
my style, you know, like my optimal fashion sense does not involve wearing all those labels. But I do think that like they had they they see the art in fashion. And um, obviously, Erica Jane has that same sort of gene too. But you know, someone who I think actually has incredible and often like really elegant style that doesn't always get included in that sort of like fashionista conversation is Marisol from Miami. And again, this is very separate from like how I think she's operating on the show right now. But you know, her style isn't as in your face as some of the most name checked house wives and like that fashion conversation but if you pay attention to what she wears like it's pretty fucking chic i actually think that she dresses the way that sutton should dress they have similar body types but i do tend to enjoy marisol's looks way more often <laughs> my friend julie asked a very random fuck mary kill but let's just go with it uh she listed louis from new jersey jules from new york short ex-husband and tom girardi literally so random (laughs) but some of the best questions are so i'm not even gonna look up what jules short ex-husband's name is but i think i would marry tom girardi for his money but then when that scandal breaks i would have handled the situation way better than erica did donated my money to the victims that tom stole from and then come out fucking winning and obviously divorcing his ass like hello it's not that difficult uh then i would probably fuck jules's ex because listen We love a short king. Even though I don't think I would go so far as to call him a king, I feel like I remember like some weird, really like dark headlines coming out around their divorce. But again, I won't be looking that one up. And then I would kill Louis because he scares me and I do not trust the thing that man says. Like, I remember I saw him at BravoCon a couple times. One time he was like sort of lurking outside of a Watcher Happens live taping. And he was he was always sort of like with this like pack of like three to five like Guido-y guys. And it just like gave me the heebie-jeebies. And I don't want anything to do with that. My friend Zoe asked what therapeutic advice I would give to Shep Rose from Southern Charm. Okay, so I'm obviously not a therapist, but I would tell him, honestly, to watch the way he speaks to women, particularly Taylor. Like, it's not okay. Like, when he gets drunk and, like, they get into it, he says some nasty shit. And, um, you know, I'm actually glad he's still on the show because I think that he's ma- kind of like made for TV and can't help himself. And he's a huge self-sabotager. It's interesting because I feel like I, for a couple years there, he was, you know, when Austin was like really kind of emerging as like the number one fuck boy on Bravo. And Shep was like in this like seemingly steady relationship with Taylor and had, and it was like figuring it all out and settling down. And he was doing this sort of like rebrand. I mean, he's, he's like pretty socially liberal. So and he would like speak out about certain things. And it was kind of ever since that video he filmed of that woman collecting cans in New York that like, really backfired on him if you don't i'm ta- don't know what i'm talking about i'm sure you can just look that up too but it's interesting that since then you know it, it re- again like it really felt like he had it all figured out and like he was gonna marry this girl and like it, you know she, she they seemed good together but obviously like since then it's kind of all crumbled for him and kind of out of his own doing and again he's a self-sabotager and um if if it didn't work out with taylor if he could not make that work you know he, she was so devoted to him i just don't know if he'll ever figure it out um which means that he'll probably never leave our tvs honestly the advice that i would give him is just like really reevaluate his relationships with women and the way he treats them or at least speaks to them okay cameron hill asked which three cast members i would make traitors for season two of the traitors which premieres in less than two weeks i'm so fucking excited so first of all you better be watching the traitors the first season of the u.s version and the uk version were both iconic so the u.s version in case you aren't aware for some reason it combined reality stars with sort of like normie people and the uk version is all normies i think it's going to work better in the season two because they don't have any normies mixed in with the reality stars i think you kind of do either or And, and on the uk version it works really well with the normies but i think that the normies on season one of the u.s edition just like kind of like got overshadowed shadowed and like 
we only really cared about the reality stars. So I think that it's best that they kind of nixed that element. Before I name the three that I would pick as traders, I'm actually really excited for the way that this season is rolling out. I think that they're doing like, they're dropping the first three episodes, I want to say, but then the subsequent ones are coming out one by one week, week to week. And they're premiering on Peacock, I think at like 8 p.m. So instead of like, you know, a midnight drop where you sort of like have to rush to watch it, you know, in the morning or like in the background during work so that when you're scrolling on social media, you don't, nothing gets spoiled for you. Like, I love that it's airing on a streaming service at night. Like that way you can like watch it at a normal time and, you know, it can be kind of a more communal watching experience, which I always am an advocate for. So yeah, I think that Parvati and Sandra from Survivor would make awesome traders but i'm wor- i would be worried maybe if that was too obvious same with janelle from big brother like they're these kind of like iconic villainy women from competition shows who are really savvy and i don't i wonder if they'd be easy targets at the beginning i'm not sure i'd also love for a housewife to be a trader and the, so the choices would be from sheree phaedra larsa and tamra those are the four housewives on this upcoming season and i think i would choose sheree i think it would be hilarious if sheree was a trader like i think that she i don't know if she would be good at it but i think that she'd be amazing tv to watch as a trader and then i think i would also pick janelle because i think that of those three i mentioned she is maybe less kind of universally known i would i would want to say but uh, i think that she'd be really really good at it so i think that if she could sort of avoid that sort of initial attention from like her reputation on big brother i think that she could be an amazing trader and i'm really excited for non-big brother watchers to get exposed to janelle because she is such good tv and she's she is a true legend and i then i think i would actually also do marcus jordan who is larsa's boyfriend but yeah i think i would make marcus jordan a trader because you know, we always see him with Larsa. It's always like they're such a duo and they're always they're they're like attached to the hip and she brings him to so many events. And he's always sort of like up in the background. Like he doesn't really say that. We don't hear him say that much. So I think it'd be really fun to see him separated from Larsa and sort of operating a little bit differently from her and not and not being able to tell her that he's a traitor. That'd be a really interesting dynamic. And they'd be I I hope that they chose one of them to do it. So I would do Janelle, Sheree, and Marcus as traitors for season two. Okay, friend of the pod, Jeth Rothschild, wants to know my most controversial opinion, something I don't personally enjoy, but the masses seem to. Okay, I was trying to think of a really good answer for this, but I'm coming up short, honestly. I still have, like, holiday brain. But, um, I mean, there are some really popular shows that I don't or didn't watch, like Game of Thrones. But that's not because I didn't like it, per se. I just, like, never got into it. So I'm not going to say that. I will say that, like, I don't really like The Office that much. I think that that is... It seems to be a big comfort show for a lot of people, and it has, like, the same kind of staying power as, like, Friends does, honestly, at this point. I just personally don't think it's particularly funny, and it's really not my sense of humor. But I think a more recent one is, like, I'm a huge Swifty. I love Taylor Swift. I've loved her since her first album. And I love how happy she and Travis are together. They clearly are in a great relationship. They're in love with each other. They're making each other happy, and I love to see that. I really do, and especially her. It's exciting, but but like the hoopla around their relationship, something about it just really grinds my gears. Like I don't know, it's t- I think it may be TikTok brain. I don't know if it's like just people doing it for for clicks and attention because like talking about Taylor Swift is just like guaranteed traffic and probably helps with the algorithm and whatnot. But like, 
God, it's like everybody, it's like, it's like at this point, she's attended like a lot of his games. So at this point, it's not a surprise to see her there. It's like every time there's a game and she's probably, and she's there, everyone like freaks out like, oh my God, Taylor's there. And it's like, well, yeah, she's his girlfriend and he is on a football team and she's being supportive. The amount of attention and like freaking out that people do over like the tiniest, like most normal things that they do and like they read into so much. Like there was that whole thing like with like the ring and like people are going crazy over like wanting them to get married this year and all these things. It's just sort of like calm the fuck. I just think people need to calm down. <laughs> That's all I need people to do. I don't know if it's controversial to think that because I think that people will probably feel the same way. But like I don't know. It's just there's something about it that really irks me. And um, again, I love Taylor and I'm glad that she's happy, but there's just something about the reaction to this relationship that's really frustrating me. My friend Kate asked about Miley Cyrus and what she's up to. She misses her. Uh, you and me both. You know, it's actually really wild how private she's gotten in recent years. Like, despite having the biggest song of the year with Flowers, she released an album this year. And then she only did one interview for it and she said that she's done with touring for now. Potentially for good. And... I don't know, it's just sort of like, she's such a big star, and I feel like for so much of her, and maybe this is why she's retreated, but for so much of her time in the public eye, she was one of those celebrities that, like, was kind of an oversharer. Like, she posted a lot on Instagram, she posted a lot of things on Twitter, and she was, like, pretty open and felt really relatable, but now it's like her social media is so just about the work, which is fine, it's just totally her prerogative, but I miss some of that element of sort of, like, surprise with her but it does seem like she's in a really great place and i think she's protecting a lot of that private life which kudos to her i love that for her again miley is one of my number ones but you know i hope that she at least pops up at the grammys in a, uh, next month and is recognized for the impact that flowers had on music this year there like i hope she wins a grammy because it it really was it was the biggest song it was such a cultural moment like when that music video came out and again with the tiktok brain but like everyone was like analyzing like all these different details and the lyrics and the dress she was wearing and all these things like it was an epic moment and i also hope she performs it too like she deserves to have that success and the that impact celebrated and and put, be put in the spotlight again so I hope that we we at least see her at the Grammys and that she decides to change her mind about touring and then goes on tour at some point in the future. She has been doing those intimate shows at the Chateau Marmont, though, um, which have been keeping me kind of fed. Like, she posted some full-length covers on her YouTube channel that she did at, at some of those shows. Like, she, she covered Faithfully by Journey, which was so good. Like, to me... No disrespect to Kelly Clarkson, who is one of the best cover coverers in the game. But to me, Miley is the queen of covers. Like, ever since her Summertime Sadness cover, there's that Bob Dylan cover. Um, she's done some great ones, like, on, on Jimmy Fallon's show over the years. Like, she sounds so good singing other people's songs. Like, I just love her voice so much. Um, so she's been doing those little shows. So she's been, she's keeping us fed a little bit, but I'm going to need a little more from her in 2024, please. My friend Ryan asked what I thought about the George Santos Z-Way interview. Matt Rogers had some great words about this on a recent episode of Las Culturistas that I tended to agree with. But like, I think the criticism that Z-Way received for, 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 quote, platforming him was really misguided. Like, George Santos is platformed on the news almost every single day but we're going to criticize z-way for interviewing him and honestly taking him to task on his problematic shit like that just doesn't add up or feel right to me at all um i thought that that reaction was really bizarre honestly i understood like the reasoning behind people saying that but ultimately it's like 
they were kind of using her to criticize like a bigger issue, I think. And and also like I loved the interview and I kind of wish it had been longer. Like she aired him out. Like she said up top that she, that he asked to be paid for the interview multiple times. I thought the editing was so good and she asked the right question. So I really hope that Z-Way finds or makes her own platform to give us more interviews in 2024 because like I consider her to be one of our most incisive, like essential voices of our generation. And um, I just read her book, which was fantastic. And it's a book of essays called Black Friend. If she has any fear, she doesn't show it. She is like, she really seems fearless in, in some of these settings. And I thought the George Santos interview was a great example of that. Okay, so now we're going to get into a couple Final question that are a little bit more personal, not pop culture related. Bravo Babe on Twitter asked what I would consider the first job that jumpstarted my career. So after working in retail and doing babysitting and all those kind of things, sort of in high school and the beginning of college, my first real job experience in the corporate world were were the two summers I spent interning at AOL during college. Um, My old babysitter worked there and recommended me to a recruiter and at the time, AOL owned like a bunch of different online brands and like the Huffington Post and Movie Phone and Engadget and TechCrunch and a bunch of different things. But I interviewed for an internship at Movie Phone, but I didn't get it. But then I did get one with Games.com, which I knew nothing about gaming, <laughs> but it was a way in the door. And I was doing social media. I really wanted to live in New York for the summer. You know, during that summer, I learned a lot about social media. I went to my first ever PR events. You know, overall, I'm just like, I was very grateful to have that experience. And I, again, it got me into the door at the company. And I came back the next summer to work for a different team, which was a, this kind of group of lifestyle brands. One of the websites, Stylist, would have guest celebrity editors. And I would ghostwrite tweets for some of those editors, which one of them was Kylie and Kendall Jenner, who at the time had just released, like, they wrote that sci fi book, or I think. They, their names were on a sci-fi book that was ghostwritten for them. It was such a random thing. But as part of the promotion, they they were guest editors for this website. And I wrote tweets for them about the book and about about different things. But obviously, that was like much more in my wheelhouse. And, and I returned to that team full-time when I graduated from college the next year. And that was the company that I was at, even though it had like different names. And it went through a lot of different ups and downs and, and you know, uh, you know, acquisitions and things like that. That was the one company I worked at since college. I was there for over eight years and I just got laid off. Technically, there were different jobs within that time. It was those internships that really got me in the door and jumpstarted my career, honestly. And I would say the biggest early pivotal moment for me was my the job that I got sort of right out of college was sort of on the front page and just doing kind of general news across across different um, verticals and I was obviously gravitating towards the entertainment page and the pop culture news and things like that and I saw people on that team like got to do cool interviews and and got to go to cool events and obviously I wanted to get in on that so I made that known to the entertainment editor I was like look I want to do this I would love to you know, take any interviews that you guys don't have time for, go to any events that you can't make, anybody who you would maybe pass on that might be good to do. Like, I'll do that person just to get the experience. And so I was interviewing like all these different random people, like HGTV stars that I never heard of and like young actresses that were just getting their start on like random network shows and and things like that. And like, that's how I really got a lot of experience and interviewing so quickly, it was just the cat. It was kind of the cast off stuff that the other people on my team didn't want. And like some of it was like, you know, I got lucky. Like uh, the first ever event I went to was Heidi Klum's Halloween party. <laughs> that was the first red carpet that I covered because nobody else could go. It was on a Saturday night, like on Halloween, and I had no plans. So it was it just things like that. It was about it was kind of about just you know I, I made my 
I made what I wanted known. And eventually I was on put on the entertainment team because of that. Yeah, th- that was probably an early pivotal moment as well. So I hope that answered your question. And then my friend Annie asked, what excites me most about the future of Gabby with Gib? Well, I mean, first off, <laughs> I'm technically unemployed, as I mentioned. So I'm so grateful to even like have this show as an outlet for something to work on and build. Um, I really think that the fact that I started it basically like just over a month before I got laid off was fortuitous timing. I'm really, again, I'm just happy to have this as something to to work on while I figure out what the future looks like for me professionally. You know, I'm excited that every time I put out a new episode, the show grows. I get new subscribers. I get new people listening to old episodes. Like that's really kind of how podcasting works is like, you put out a new episode and I, and obviously people listen to that first, but like it get more and more people s- discover your show and as you release more and they'll go into your back catalog and those, those listens will go up. So it kind of all builds on itself. Just the more you put out. I'm also excited to increase the quality of our videos and growing our YouTube presence, start monetizing the show and maybe joining a podcast network in the future. Like to me, it's just sort of like the, the, the possibilities are endless for this. And I'm, I've had so much fun, obviously, doing the interviews and having the pop culture discussions, but also playing with the format a bit and, and kind of coming up with fun ideas of like unique episode topics and, and formats. So if you've been enjoying that or if you have any ideas, like de- definitely send them my way. Lastly, Bravo by Brett asked, what motivates me? I mean, plenty of things motivate me, but I think one of the main things is the is the life that I sort of envision for myself in the future. And, you know, knowing that I'm going to have to build that life for myself through hard work and nobody's going to just give it to me and hand it to me on a silver, silver platter. Like I have to work to get to that point. I'm lucky to come from two parents who are entrepreneurs and self-starters. And I feel like I learned a lot from them, but yeah, that's really what motivates me. And I also think that honestly, just living in New York is sort of built in daily motivation. It's, it's not easy to live here and it's a grind. And while I'm not necessarily a proponent of hustle culture, you have to hustle to live here. And you're constantly surrounded by people who are achieving things and doing things at all hours of the day, every day of the week. And I think some people would see that and maybe get jealous or compare themselves or, you know, ask like, why, why did I not get that opportunity or get to do that? Or God, I wish I could do what they're doing or get to that point. And like, obviously I have those thoughts, obviously, but ultimately what I take from being in such close proximity to successful people and people that are doing cool things and you know living in new york as i said ultimately like that to me is is motivating that to me is like okay like i want to get to a point where i'm doing that so i'm going to work to get to that point somehow or i'm going to or i'm going to pick their brain about you know any advice they might have for me to 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 get to that point so i find that like again instead of seeing that as something to be jealous of i see that as something to be inspired by and and motivated by I, I would say that's probably what motivates me um there are plenty of other things though that's that's really what motivates me is sort of the life that i want for myself um and the people that i either have around me in my life or just have around me just by by nature living in New York. Okay, so that is it for our first mailbag episode of Gabbing with Gib. I hope that you liked this. And again, if you want to submit questions next time, message me, follow me on Instagram, and I'll probably do this like, I don't know, once a month, every every couple months. I'm not sure. But yeah, give me feedback on, on what you thought about this kind of about this new format for me. And please remember to make sure that you are following or subscribing to this show wherever you're listening to this right now. Please give us a good rating, a good review. 
And again, thank you for supporting. Happy New Year. Happy 2024. I'm so excited for what lies ahead for Gabbing with Gib in 2024. Thank you for listening to the show. Subscribe to Gabbing with Gib on any podcast platform to listen to new episodes. And subscribe to Gabbing with Gib on YouTube to watch full-length versions of our interviews. We'd also love your support with a five-star review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. You can follow me at Gibsonoma on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And keep up with all things Gabbing with Gib at Gabbing with Gib on Instagram and TikTok. Gabbing with Gib is an independent podcast hosted by me, Gibson Johns. It's produced by myself and Riley Dabbs. Graphics are by Rachel Roth and our cover art photography is by Troy Hallahan. If you want to reach out about guest booking, sponsorship, or advertising opportunities, email us at gabbingwithgib at gmail.com. Thank you again for your support and see you next time.